Ladies and gentlemen, we got a special guest in the house tonight. Give it up for the letter O. Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Billy Joel, he wrote so many songs. Some fast, some slow, and some go on too long. All the hits and hidden gems, even the turds, it ends at Z, not A. With your friends, Elon and Dave. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting letter wrap-up on Billy Joel A to Z, as this episode is brought to you by the letter O. O. <laughs> it includes three songs, one unreleased superb song, one throwaway, and one absolute Billy Joel classic. Yes, the O's. As in, oh my, the P's are even shorter. And P-U, there are no Q songs. What will we do? And are you stupid? When will you go back to talking about any Billy Joel songs? But don't worry. There's no reason to panic. It's all coming up. I'm Billy Joel. Here to see. Let me introduce you to everyone's favorite comedian and co-host of the Billy Joel A to Z podcast, Alan Altman, everybody. Thank you, Dave. That was a great intro. I love the way you got every letter in there. Well, I'm a little panicked the way we the way we decided to do our podcast, where there seems to be just like, you know, one song and then it's just us talking about nothing. Then there's one song and then it's us. It's just a bad coincidence that in the the P's and the Q's until we get to the R's and the S's and the T's where we know we'll be just going songs blast while you're here, why the podcast will be good. Yeah, they're highs and lows. Billy Joel should have written his catalog much more evenly distributed. That's his fault, not ours. Exactly. So, yeah, anybody that's blaming us um, just isn't getting the message. Let's rank these three ridiculousness. Uh, if, if there's even any reason to do a ranking, only the good die young. Uh, I'm just going to speak for Alan. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go only the good die young, only a man in Oyster Bay. And I'm sure you if you don't have the same, I we can't do this podcast anymore. No, I agree with that completely. Only a man has been stuck in my head. So uh, that's definitely a really good song, but it can never beat only the good die young. Right. Of course. Right. No, I mean, we'd be idiots if that was any other way. Uh, it's so funny when I think about Oyster Bay, you and I both were just we just hated even talking about that song. It was just such a useless song. I remember when we finished, we're like, eh. <laughs> it wasn't <Yeah>. a fun <laughs> podcast to do. We had very little to say about Oyster Bay. Yeah. Yeah, we, we got off and we're like, eh, you know, because usually we're like, hey, that was fun. You know, we usually have nice conversations and, you know, have a, a few laughs. And yeah, that Oyster Bay was just a real nothing. Yeah, but some people liked it a lot, which we'll talk about in the comments. I just wasn't one of those people. Yeah, I wasn't one of them either. And Only a Man was very good. I would like to say uh, just before even <laughs> I, I love when we're on the O's wrap up. I'd like to talk about the ends wrap up. Uh, as long as we're, <laughs> which is extra funny, of course, in every way. But I just want to say something about that song numbers. When I listened back, I realized I was like promoting. And I'm like, this is so great. So great. It's great for me. I love that song. And then when I was hearing it, I'm like, I, I think I've done it again where Dave Juskow likes this song, but I don't think everybody else likes it. I, I'm, I'm excited to hear if anybody talked about it. First of all, I just want to say, that I really like that song and it, it's been in my head. 
and been thinking about it. And you know, before we came on, Alon was just whistling it. So I don't, I don't know how you feel about it the way I did. But I just want to say this one thing that when I put the song out, and you probably noticed, I there's three different versions, and I combined one and two. So there's a definite edit in it. And I, I could have probably made it smoother, but I just didn't care at one point because I wanted to get to the guitar part that I was talking about in the show, which is only in version one. But, but but version two is a better version. So I did combine both versions. And if I had more time, I could have even made it. Combining those two professionally would become a good song. Yeah, no, it was a pretty good edit, I thought. And uh, yeah, maybe someone with some engineering skills can take all these different versions and create the ultimate numbers. Well, you know, for me, I can hear the edit point. So it bothers me. But I wanted people to hear that guitar riff because number two didn't have it. And I thought it was important to now you hadn't heard the song while we were talking about it. Now that you've heard it, what did you think of the song? Yeah, I like it a lot. I think it's a great song. That's why I was listening to it again a few times afterwards, because I thought it was cool. I like hearing the different versions of it. Um, and, you know, we did get a couple comments about it also. So that's pretty cool. Well, that just, even... Let's tell you, say the comments. Let me know. Because I'm yeah, curious. So... I, I got nervous that uh, maybe I had oversold it a little too much. No, no. Steve Hickman said that Numbers has a Steely Dan vibe. Ooh, ooh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, right. I know exactly what point he's talking about. It. Bah, 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 like where it goes to that. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Nice one, Steve. Yeah. And then Autumn B. Melody said she was tricked when we said, here's Numbers. And then we came blinking and not <laughs> started. Well, that playing. was the plan to uh, trick. Yes, you, so. that was the plan. Because how could Job we not well in that episode bring up Winkin' Blinkin' and Nod 40 times? And now again in the O's wrap up. Here it is again. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. It was that's only it. one person who liked it. Oh, oh, well, that's OK, though. At least somebody liked it because no I hate I, mail, I, though. I thought more people would say like, boy, this is really fun. It's a good song. I I, I really like it a lot. It, it's in my head more. Um, I can't think of only a man more than I could think of numbers. I think for both of those songs, it's, it's so odd that you could write such good songs and then never really put them out. It's like as comics, imagine you wrote a joke that was as good as these songs are and then never performed that joke. You just put it away in some closet. That would be insane. Yeah, exactly. The other song we need to talk about today is maybe the worst song I ever heard in my life. Uh, uh, what's it called, Alon? Adoya. <laughs> Yeah, I was looking this up and I saw that it was on the catalog and then I listened to it and I'm like, what the hell is this? I had no idea that that song opens up the Kreplach album. <laughs> uh, boy, w what a horrible way to open up an album. I guess it's like a traditional Russian folk song. Is that the story? <laughs> I guess it's uh, it's by the Georgian musical ensemble entitled Journalist. <laughs> They're good. I love journalists. Their early stuff's better than their later stuff. There was some turnover and personnel, <laughs> but you really can't nitpick. Journalist is great. Our next podcast is Journalist uh, A to Z. 
Yeah. No. Or whatever the whatever the Russian equivalent of those letters are. Boy, that is one crappy song. That is why I never listened to that album. I couldn't care less about that album. And if you're going to open up an album like that, you suck. <laughs> you got to let people know, hey, I'm in Russia. This is what they listen to. And now here's what I do. It's clearly way better. Yeah, the thing, you know, when it was released, it was probably a good idea because, you know, when he was at the time when he went to Russia, it was a big deal. That concert was a big deal. Him being in Russia was all over the news. Every it, it was a big deal. Everybody was talking about Billy Joel over in Russia. So I guess at the time, opening the album like that was interesting, but it does not stand the test of time. Well, look, now he's going to have to do it again. We need Billy Joel to go back to Russia and end this whole war right now. The power of music can save the world. One would hope. One would hope. Only if journalist is still together. He can't do these Russian concerts without journalists being there to sing Adoya. Yeah, he's got to get the band back together. <laughs> They've all been, they're all in Siberia, by the way. So after they perform a Billy Joel, they got sent away to some work camp. And they've been there for the last 35 years. But we'll get them back. We'll talk to Putin. We'll get them back. Clearly. Uh, the one thing I wanted to say before, we were going to talk about our day, but I'll just tell you now. All right. I went out with this girl on Wednesday. And I couldn't even believe it when I heard it. And I'm just telling you, this has nothing to do with the O's or anything else. And we were talking about Billy Joel. And she said, oh, my God, my favorite song is the Down Easter Alexa. So she's into fishing also, huh? No, no, no. What she said was, my favorite song is the Down Easter Alexa. Oh, so she said it our way, my she way. She said it your way, Alon. Yes, your don't. How dare you say it our way? <laughs> yes, I couldn't believe. It. I said, what? Did, what did you say? <laughs> I said, what did you just say? I couldn't believe. I said, you know, you just you're gonna make my friend Alon so happy because <laughs> I I've never heard anyone. Call it the Down Easter Alexa, even if it's their favorite song. And I said, oh, my God, I got to write this down and I got to bring it up. And I can't wait for the Down Easter Alexa. I've got to bring it up on the wrap up because it's too priceless that this happened. I was like, well, maybe Alon's on to something because I've been cursing your name for a long time, as a lot of our listeners have. And yes. you have stated on this podcast that you would have rethought the whole thing at this point was <laughs> so angry. Uh, but then when this girl said her favorite song was without me prompting, without her knowing the format, said the Down Easter Alexa. I said, maybe Elon's got something. I'm totally justified now. I feel great. Thank you, random lady. Thank you, escort that Dave went out with on Wednesday. <laughs> no, her name is Lindsay and she's the best. How dare you? <laughs> That's what we were just at. We were at. It was the day before St. Patrick's Day. And uh, I go to the guy, uh, hey, what are your specials today? And he goes, what the hell are you talking about? It's the day before St. Patrick's Day. And I'm like, oh, oh of course. Yeah, I, I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, what does that mean? So what? Yeah, if any of our listeners could tell us what that's supposed to mean, I, I, I compare it to in Groundhog Day when Bill Murray is taking a shower and it's only cold water and he goes downstairs. He goes, hey, mama. What's up? What's uh, how come there's no cold? There's no hot water. And she goes, oh, well, no, there wouldn't be today. <laughs> I again. Yeah, I, I don't know. But uh, you idiot. Don't you know the day before St. Patrick's Day always has the same specials? How do that's you what I got. This? Yeah, exactly. How am I supposed to know? How dare you talk to me in that tone of voice <laughs> the day before St. Patrick's Day? You lie me, bastard. Smell <laughs> ice, do you? Now I'm doing Titanic.
Hey, it's the wrap up. Who cares? Hey, you're okay. All right. I just would like to talk about our guest, Michael Riedel, who I thought was quite interesting. I mean, I always find this guy interesting. I like when he talks about old Broadway, I like when he talks about old TV shows. I, you know, hopefully the audience felt the same, but. But uh, yeah, the, the, the Michael Riedel interview was amazing. I didn't know that I could listen to stuff about Broadway so long, but his, his stories about moving out and how it went from being really, really crappy to really good was like such an insider look. Um, what I liked the most actually was when he was talking about how in the original Chicago version, it was hard to tell who the, the main characters were. And then he was like, what they figured out finally was to have them kind of walk to the front of the stage. But I think spotlight, spotlight. spotlights on them. Yeah. yeah. I think what would have been a better solution, I realized this, was to do the Alvin and the Chipmunks method where they just wear one long shirt with a giant letter for their name. So for Anthony, it's a big A. And then for <laughs> Brenda and Eddie, it's a B and an E. And then you just know the people in the giant nightgowns are, are our main characters. Yeah, and we should we would have pitched that to them, and then they just would have stared at us blankly for a while, and they say, <laughs> and then it would have just cut to us being thrown out with the the Cleveland bum rush, yeah, <laughs> uh, with our shirt, you know, shirt tops uh, being thrown out of a yeah. door <laughs> into the pile of trash. But that talking about moving out, he said he thought that Michael Cavanaugh, I think that's his name, that was singing. I thought that guy was not good. Uh, again, you and I have talked about if you've watched the Tonys performance of moving out that you can see on youtube it just looks awful and i think the guy's voice isn't very good and doesn't sound like billy joel and i guess i've just been burned by the sting musical and green day where if the person who i know is singing the song isn't singing the song i got a goddamn problem Yeah, well, my problem with that uh, Tony's performance was the songs they chose to play, which was such an odd list. Okay, so on that, they sang, they do River of Dreams and Keeping the Faith. Yeah, what the hell? Exactly. I, I, you know, we, again, we must have missed something because as Michael was saying, I guess if you were there 
and you saw the show, it was a different experience. A lot of times with Tony performances, when they're on you know TV, they have to combine everything and they have to do a medley and it doesn't work as well. So maybe that's the thing. But again, you're right. How are you choosing River of Dreams and keeping the faith? Just open with what everybody wants to see, which is moving out, which is the name of the musical, and just open that song and do scenes from Italian restaurant. But meanwhile, again, I'm going to say that guy's voice did not work for me. Maybe if you were there, it would be different, but I don't think it would be. However, I did find out he was talking about the ending was so moving and he didn't know what song it was. And I looked that up and it was I loved these days. Oh. And it made a lot of sense that he uh, people would be drawn in by the ending. Yeah, that's a good choice there at the end. So uh, obviously not knowing I was going to do this podcast, I had no, you know, I try and see every Broadway show. Never had any desire to see this musical. Uh, even being a Billy Joel fan, I really just thought it would be butchered. And people could tell me a hundred times it was good and I just wouldn't have cared. And now, of course, I'm angry that I did not see it because, you know, here we are. And I would like to, you know, tell people about it and say, if you were there, you would have thought differently. But yeah, just watching some of the video was not good. Also, the way he says it's like it's a no dialogue ballet. And he say it's the right thing to do for a Billy Joel musical. I'm like, what are you talking about? That seemed like the worst idea for a Billy Joel musical. So I don't know how that became successful. I don't think Billy Joel fans are sitting there going, this should be a ballet. I am confused by the entire musical, not taking away from any, not taking away from anything that Michael Riedel said about the show, just saying for us, I I don't get it because we didn't see it. I think that's what's so impressive about it, which is perplexing that they took this thing that should have been so easily just done in a normal musical way and gave it this extra level of challenge of making it a ballet where the dancers don't even sing. And still it worked. That's what's that's what's what's crazy about it. It should have been the hugest failure in the world. But somehow it worked. It's like trying to box with one arm behind your back. But the winning. weird part is, Alon, I like the ballet. You know, I like the ballet. I enjoy we all ballet. know you like the ballet. <laughs> I loved the musical An American in Paris on Broadway because it was a ballet. But for some reason, if I'm going to listen to Billy Joel, I'm not sure if I'd want to see it in ballet form. It should be called Ballet Joel. Oh, sweet. Oh, you did it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's I'm still angry. I never got to see Spider-Man turn off the dark. You know, everybody said it was so bad. I didn't have the money at the time to go. That's sometimes the problem where I don't get to see. And, you know, after that show left, I made sure I've seen everything that sucks. Since I like I made sure I saw King Kong and all the shows that are bad because now I missed out on not seeing Spider-Man turn off the dark, which we played that idiot's uh, clip Reeve Carney for when he uh, messed up the words and leave a tender moment of loan. He, he was the guy from Spider-Man turn off the dark who you don't hear from anymore because Michael Riedel destroyed his career. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that you're doing that now because I was thinking that would be really fun to just go to the worst musicals. Like, like Michael was saying, it gave him so much material when there would be a terrible musical. It is. And uh, here's another thing I want to tell you, if you're not familiar with Broadway or I was talking about Julie Taymor and she's kind of a legendary at this point, kind of free thinker, director, a a real, a true legendary Broadway bomb. Uh, But she's also I believe she also directed The Lion King, which is a big hit. 
Right. Another way out of the box thing, having the animal heads like on top of these dancers and somehow that, that doesn't distract anybody. Right. And she's directed a couple of movies and stuff. So this woman was the right choice for something like this. It just didn't work. And I just wanted to tell you more about, you know, when we we're talking about Julie Tamer, then it seems when we're talking, it's like, well, I don't know who they're talking about. But yeah, it's a she, you know, everybody has their moment where it's not going to work out. Uh, even a Steven Spielberg has 1942, uh, a, a movie which, you know, was this uh, big budgeted comedy with all the stars and it was a disaster. Everybody has one and that was hers. Oh, the other thing, just really quick about Michael, when he was talking about sitting with the Niederlander, Niederlander, Nieder, the Niederlanders, <laughs> hard to pronounce. Uh, again, just giving you some context, the Niederlanders are a legendary Broadway group. There was only two people that ran Broadway in like the 40s that started Broadway. It was the Niederlanders and who, who's what's the other group uh, that did like a chorus line and stuff there. And they I, I can't think. And they were fighting with each other to get, you know, the best shows. But they also built Broadway. So like the Niederlanders, what made their bones in the business was like Annie. You know, which was a huge smash. Mm-hmm. And they're all relying on the 13 year old girl to, uh, you know, make their whole thing. But the fact that he sits with those kind of people, they're like very powerful. Uh, the Schubert's the Schubert's are the other one. Oh, yes. Schubert's and the Nederlanders. And they fought, fought for, you know, having the best shows on Broadway. And that's why I'm telling him Michael Riedel was is the guy, you know, like it's funny. He sits with the Nederlanders. He sits with Billy Joel. He sits with all these Twyla Tharp, you know, he gets free pasta from Elaine. Exactly. And that was before he was Michael Riedel from the New York Post. Yeah. Yeah. Those those Elaine stories are terrific. And that's why it was great that it came back to Billy Joel in a sense when you're talking about Big Shot. And again, as I told you about Elaine, somebody who was actually living the proper life of Elaine's. It's always good to hear stories about Elaine's. And it was like that. I mean, you know, that's like a place where he said Mario Puzo was there because she loved writers. You know, if it was back if that was a little earlier, like Hemingway would have hung out there. Sure. It was unbelievable. It's just so funny. Yes. I guess she was like that. Like, hey, get this kid some pasta. <laughs> I would have been like, if it was me, I would have been like, uh, yes, but like no meat sauce, please. Could you just make sure that it's um, actually that's got a little too much cheese on it? Oh, and if I was with you, I would have said, I don't know you. You would have been so pissed off. That's one I of those things. You, one just of those say, stunts. you just say thank you. And you if she's not looking, you throw it out. And if she's in front of you, you break your kosher status. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is good. And you just shovel it down. I've done that multiple <laughs> times. You don't want any trouble from Elaine. <laughs> Only a man who wanders through the emptiness of every passing day. All right, Dave. So we got a lot of great comments on our three O songs. So the first song was Only a Man. And we had a little bit of a controversy here. I said that at the end of that, song Billy Joel is doing a Steve Winwood impersonation. This guy Frank Mercogliano said it's actually a Joe Cocker that he's doing and he said that Billy Joel in his special night school says if you can imitate Joe Cocker you could also do Steve Winwood, Richie Havens, all these kind of guys. Fair point Frank but I still think it sounds more like a Steve Winwood than a Joe Cocker. That's just my personal opinion. Can you pronounce his name again? That was unbelievable. Mercogliano? Wow look at you. (laughs) hey frank write to us if i did that correctly because maybe i'm totally wrong no it was great it's you know i can't even pronounce that billy joel album crep it's really fun to say mercogliano it's great i love names like that 
Can you pronounce the Russian album? No, I, I like Kreplach way better. Yeah, it's so much more fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also had a comment. Here's another tough one. Colin Olszewski. That could be way wrong. It's definitely a Polish sounding name. Uh, okay. a, lot of, a lot of consonants in there, Colin. Colin says he's really glad that we are finally doing Only a Man because I think he had written earlier that this was a song that he liked a lot. Oh, I didn't know anybody knew about it. Yeah. And then uh, Autumn B. Melody said she loves this song. Probably one of the best things to come from my lives. Right. Well, we said that. Right. Exactly. Because, yeah, we thought it might be played over because it was, you know, near that Attila stuff, which, you know, just not into listening to. Yeah. But yeah, I'm glad we were able to find it, too. Only the good die young. So moving on to Only the Good Die Young, Marcy Smurf said, this is one of your best episodes. Alon's parody was excellent. Love you guys. That is what you want to hear. If our best episode wasn't Only the Good Die Young, we'd be in trouble. We'd if they were like, oh, that. Oyster Bay, that's the real good one there. That's where <laughs> that's they really... the money. <laughs> no one's going to listen to it, but it was great. Catalina loved it. She said uh, there's so much she loves about this song, the melody, the lyrics, her being a Catholic girl. And also when Paul Lauren on the live episode sang Only the Good Die Young with her name instead of Virginia. Well, they showed you a statue, charged you to pray. They built you a temple, locked you away. Ah, but they never told you the price that you paid for things that you might have done. Catalina, only the good die young. <laughs> That's what I'll say. Yeah, and then she said... Good. Almost an hour of Alan and Dave. This is the perfect episode. She also said that it was an amazing parody. She'll put it right up there with COVID testing line, which she had told us recently was her favorite. Oh, my God. I forgot to tell you last Sunday, I actually got a scone. What do you think? This is important news, everyone. Hold the presses. <laughs> it's this little shop near my house that's, you know, like a, a like a cell phone business. And instead of going <laughs> like a Dunkin' Donuts or something and they make scones. So I'm like, all right. Let's do it. It was delicious. You got a scone from a cell phone place. No, I didn't say cell phone. I thought you what said you... it was like a cell phone store. A self-owned. Oh, self-owned. Okay. Yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, I like thought a... it was like an electronics store, but also they have scones for some reason. No, no, I'm sorry. I meant like a small business, you know, not the Dunkin' Donuts, you know, like um... a little mom and pop bakery. It's called the Pink Moose. <laughs> and they make a great scone. They they made a very nice scone. I, I saw it there and it was chocolate chip. And, uh, you know, still, though, scones are like, you know, they're annoying because they're too. I, I don't like making a mess and they crumbly. Make a mess they crumble because they're very dry, but it was very tasty. Did you videotape this or take pictures? No. Wow. I'll, I'll try again. Another. I might have another one, so I'll, I'll make sure I take it. So, yeah, I think I think our listeners want to see uh, Dave eating a scone. I think it's still, though, I I don't know whether I'd write two songs about it. That's you know, it wasn't that great. Right. And then mentioning it in uh, in the parody for Only the Good Die Young. Of course, there was that (laughs) scone line in there, which um, actually Frank Mercogliano again said this was a parody truly in the Weird Al style. And he laughed out loud at the scone reference. I don't remember you having a scone reference. So you did put a scone reference into only the good die young parody. Yeah. At the end. And she says she's really full. She says, I feel more dense than day old scones. You know what? I wasn't even paying it. I must put it out of my mind. Then when you mentioned that word, because I just can't, what is the matter with you? I don't, how did I not realize that you put the word scone into that parody too? You should have bleeped it. That's three scone references. 
But this one was a tongue-in-cheek scone reference, so it was okay. I guess. Jesus Christ. Do you even eat scones? I've had it once or twice, I think. (laughs) Seems like you'd be like, for me, I'd be making Taco Bell parodies nonstop if that's because that's all I eat. Right, because you want to also get maybe a, a sponsorship down the line. Well, once they bring that Mexican pizza back. Fingers crossed. So, uh, listener, uh, Habor Lights, uh, it's not Harbor, Habor Lights wrote, uh, sooner or later, it comes down to bait. I think I think they were going for a parody thing there, and they made it into a fishing song, which I like, because we know oh Billy Joel. Oh, my Joel- God. Oh, wait, 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 wait. That's not the actual lyric? Yeah, sooner or later, it comes down to faith, but oh, they wrote, what- sooner or later, it comes down to bait. Oh, oh, to make it efficient. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I thought yeah. that was the lyric for a second. I'm like, geez, I don't know that lyric. Yeah, <laughs> I thought he actually verse. put a fishing song into only the good die young. I thought they had me. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was a strange line. I'm like, yeah, I don't remember. And then I thought it actually was something like you'd be baiting this girl to go out with you. I, I boy, I looked into that way too long. <laughs> Maybe I deserve to just do scone parodies for the rest of my life. That's all you get. And you're going to like it. B Goldman 324 has a story about this song. He said in 2017, he was the only non-Catholic on a school trip, a group trip to the Vatican. And uh, when they were praying in St. Peter's, he didn't know what to do. So he snuck some headphones in and listened to Only the Good Die Young. Oh, nice. Nice. Our final comment on Only the Good Die Young. Slew Ellen says, Alan, some may point out that you stumbled into the same parody that Mad Magazine did in the 90s. But thankfully for you, yours isn't surrounded by a bunch of racist caricatures of Chinese Americans. So I looked this up and I found it. Okay, so there was there was a mad featurette called the Billy Joel Songbook. Oh, you're kidding. So it had parody lyrics for a few songs. They had just the weight you are for just the way you (laughs) are. They had tobacco man instead of piano man. And then for only the good die young, they had don't eat the egg foo young. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't think the lyrics. I got to say, Wait, I think mine what was is yours called? Order the Egg Foo Young. Oh, my goodness. How do you like? Wow. What a callback. Yeah. Who would remember this? And by the way, Slew Ellen is right, because they're the illustration next to the lyrics of this thing is the most racist Chinese caricatures I've ever seen. Well, you were it's, allowed to do that back then. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> it is bad. But uh, I'll, I'll sing the first verse of their version, because why not? Down in Virginia, I know a place, a Chinese cafe with Yunnan as its base. And that's where I'm going to feed my face. I head for the house of Chung. They serve a shrimp chow mein with a ton of rice. Bowls of wonton soup that are really nice. All the food you can eat at a low, low price. It surely will please your tongue. But don't eat the egg foo young. Well, the good news is that nobody was reading Mad Magazine in the 90s. So uh, it's good, (laughs) except for this one person. Because, you know, I knew I would have recognized it if it was from the 70s Mad Magazine, because I know some of their parodies. I still remember the Star Trek parodies where they were doing a whole Star Trek thing. And then they they would do all these musical numbers in Mad Magazine, which was amazing. And they would just say sung to the tune of. Yeah, that's what it says underneath it. Sung to the tune of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was really cool. And uh, that's pretty funny. Wow. A nice call on Alon stealing from Mad Magazine. (laughs) Just like in The Simpsons, where they're going to call you Smelson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we could have been on the cover of Mad. They called me Smelson. <laughs> <laughs> Smelson, it's funny because you smell. 
Maybe I read this way back in the day. Maybe when I was nine, I got a hand, I, I got a hold of this version of the magazine and read it, and then it stayed in my brain forever. But yeah. I, I say my lyrics are better. And also, he's saying don't eat the egg foo young, but the lyrics never say why. Yeah, no, I, I don't think you took it from here. And I was all in as soon as you said the egg. Remember, I was like, oh, that's going to be great because no one knows what egg foo young is anymore. And that's hilarious in its own way. Okay, so then our next song was Oyster Bay. Speaking of foods, Yipes. Steve J. Johnson on Twitter said, I had just moved to L.A. when My Lives came out and I got all of the unreleased tracks the minute they hit the Apple store. This one brought to mind my freshly separated ex from Massapequa Park, which is in the town of Oyster Bay. So it gave him these, these bad memories. And then on Christmas that year, his new girlfriend got him the whole My Lives box set. Oh, God. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> funny. Little did she know. Hey, do you think, that remember how Billy didn't go to his high school reunion so he could play only the good die young on national television. Yeah. Do you think that had he gone to Oyster Bay high instead of Hicksville high, he might've gone to that reunion instead of playing on TV to see all the real hot babes from Oyster Bay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. It could have been a whole different thing, man. He's like, well, I'm not going to miss my high school reunion. Oyster Bay high rule. Yeah, Steve J. Johnson's ex is single now. I'm going to finally get with her. <laughs> uh, we have one more comment on Oyster Bay. Owen Mefford, 13, said, perhaps the best song about wanting to be on the ocean fishing. Perhaps. He said, it sounds so 70s rock in an interesting way that a lot of early Billy doesn't. I agree. It had a very different sound than a lot of the stuff that Billy was doing at the time. Yeah, yeah. But uh, for me, the fishing song is the, the Downeaster Alexa, probably, so. I don't know. Yeah, right. The ultimate fisherman sea shanty. Indeed. Well, that was the O's, which means the P's are coming up. And also don't forget that April 9th is our one year anniversary live show. We're going to give you more details about that in the P's wrap up. But put that on your calendar sometime in the afternoon on April 9th. Join us for the big one year show. Well, anyway, Dave, that was the O's. We're so looking forward to the P's. Wait, what is happening in the P's again? There's a, apparently a very popular song. Yeah, it's some kind of unreleased track, I guess, about uh, uh, some kind of instrument. Accordion man? I don't know. I'm not Ooh, exactly sure. <laughs> I'm intrigued now. Yes. So look forward to that. Until next time, I'm Alon Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Billy Joel A to Z